Hi there, you're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 112. I wrote them a check and then I went, oh my gosh, I just lost my mind. What if this doesn't pan out? Hi, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire and you're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped and now it's time to light it up. Welcome to Gift Biz Unwrapped, your source for industry-specific insights and advice to develop and grow your business. And now, here's your host, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Whether you own a brick-and-mortar store, sell online, or are just getting started, you'll discover new insight to gain traction and to grow your business. And today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to Andy Malone. Andy is the owner of Infinity Gifts, Baskets, and Balloons. She started her business 11 years ago and today is a professionally certified designer and the winner of numerous awards within her industry. Her services include custom creative gift baskets for all occasions, as well as balloon design to make events unique and exciting. Andy's business started from an activity that she was doing when her children were young. Over time, she recognized the opportunity to turn what she loved into a business. And that may be exactly why a lot of you are listening today. So we're going to hear how she did it, and I want to introduce you to her right now. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thank you for having me. I am so excited that we got this together. And the way I like to start all the shows is having you describe yourself in a little bit of a different way, and that is through a motivational candle. So if you were to describe your ideal candle, what would be the color and what would be the quote on your candle? Well, it would be brown because brown is my favorite color and it's just earthy and it's the color chocolate. So how can you go wrong? Oh, there you go. (laughs) And this is a candle that we can't burn because on the other side of the motivational quote is a picture of Brad Pitt. And why Brad Pitt, I might ask? Oh, come on. Doesn't everybody know how hot he is? <laughs> okay, so we've got your brown candle. Brad Pitt is on the back. And what is the quote? My quote is actually a quote I'm stealing from Abraham Lincoln. No, I didn't know him personally. I'm not quite that old. I don't know. Lincoln and Brad together. This is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My quote is, it is better to be silent and thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. Ooh. Now... I have a little bit of advantage here because I know you, (laughs) and I know you are not necessarily soft-spoken. You are a riot to talk with, as we'll all see as we keep going. But how do you apply this to your life, and why did you choose this quote? Well, I don't know. I think sometimes people speak too much. I can just remember so many instances, especially public figures, whether it be musicians or actors or politicians or whoever, if you're in the public eye, you really need to be careful about what you say because you come off looking like an idiot. And I just think that if people put more thought into what they said before they said it, they would present themselves a lot better. It's a good point because especially as business owners too, we are the face of our business. You can talk about social media and all of that now, people who put posts up and Maybe don't think twice, but all of that comes back and it is a reflection on who you are. I really like this because sometimes silence is just better. Yep. I actually know somebody who lost business because she was posting very strong political views and she lost three clients in one week. No kidding. No kidding. Wow. Well, an example for all of us. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I take the approach. I am not going to be on either side of the political fence or any religion, you know, because this is open and free and I want everyone to feel good about being here. Absolutely. Yeah. Powerful. You're Switzerland. (laughs) I'm Switzerland. Absolutely. So let's get into infinity gifts. I want to talk about, and I didn't even want to, in the intro, talk about how it was developed because I thought it was better coming from you. So how did affinity gifts get started? Well, I actually have a background in graphics. Is that by education then, Andy? Yes, it is. And did that for a while and actually kind of switched things up and went into lending. And when I had my first child, I would drop him off at my mother-in-law's house and he would sleep all day and he was up all night. Oh, lucky for you. (laughs) Yeah. There were many days I went to work on like 45 minutes sleep. So it got to the point where I had the opportunity to stay home. And so I did and had another baby and was able to stay home with my kids for 17 years. And during that time, I don't know how it is around the country. I would imagine it's pretty much the same in California. Education has taken just such hits with the cuts. They cut out this and they cut out that really bare bones. And if you want anything extra for the kids, the parents have to come up with the money. We're talking public schools. So I got involved starting to do auctions. Both my kids played baseball and I would do auctions and I would do baskets. And I found that the baskets went over really well. I had a couple of people, because I was doing several auctions, well, a couple auctions a year. I would do one for baseball. I would do one for the school. And people would follow me back and forth between them and not necessarily have an association with my kid's school, but they would show up for that auction or maybe not necessarily have a connection with baseball, but they'd show up for that auction. You know, after 17 years, it was kind of like, well, my skills in graphic really didn't apply anymore. Everything had become so much more technical as opposed to the old school cut and paste. And so that kind of went by the wayside and I didn't want to go back into lending because I still had school age kids. So just ended up where I went, okay, you know, I think this is what I want to do. Well, so let me stop you here. So were people following you around and were they wanting you to make baskets for them for an event they had like a birthday or something like that? No, but they would follow me from auction to auction. I didn't have anybody really request back then, at least that I can remember, but I had several people that had nothing to do with baseball show up for an auction. I had one gal, she must have bought like eight or 10 baskets. And her son and my son were friends, but her son didn't play baseball. And we're loading up her car. She said, I got this one. My brother just bought his first home and he could use this. And it was a toolbox basket that had tools and tape measures and like picture hanging kits and the stuff you'd need for a new home. And then somebody else was getting married. So she bought a wedding basket and somebody else had a birthday. And so she bought a book lover's basket. So she had all these baskets going into her car, but it was all for stuff she had coming up. She knew she'd need. And so I had a few people doing that and I went, wow, maybe there's something to this basket thing. And that's how it was born. So what'd you do? What were the first steps way back then that you did to create a business or, you know, make the flip into a business? Talked to my husband and he said, are you out of your mind? And I said, well, yeah. And my parents had a spare bedroom because I'd left home and (laughs) I set up in their bedroom and started that way. And I put an ad in the yellow pages and that lasted. I was in their spare bedroom. I matter of months, I think, and outgrew it, needed another place. So then I found a little office type place. It was a mixed use light industrial office area and rented three rooms and did business out of there for the next seven years, maybe a little over seven years. 
Gotcha. I'm going to stop you here just for a quick question, and then we're going to talk about where you are today. What did you see as the difference when you were doing it as a hobby for the auctions? It was somewhat of a business purpose, obviously, but what was the difference that you saw as you switched from doing it just for the auctions as something on the side to when you turned it into a business? Well, other than the money going to me and not the schools or the or baseball, I realized how much of the business side I didn't know. Yeah, you can make great baskets all day, but if you aren't really dialed into the business side of it, you don't have a very good chance. You just don't. And you have to treat it like a business. And what did you do to do that, to learn? Because you were saying you didn't really have that business in the beginning. No, I didn't. I started going online and researching and researching, trying to find vendors and researching, trying to do promotions and how to, on a very tight budget, get yourself out there. I joined the Chamber of Commerce. And funny story about the Chamber of Commerce, I wrote them a check and then I went, oh my gosh, I just lost my mind. What if this doesn't pan out? And second guessed myself for the next two weeks. And then I got a call from the Chamber that said, There's a woman in Louisiana whose son is here in Ventura. He's having a birthday. She wants a gift basket. She's going to give you a call. I said, okay. So she did. And the funny thing about that was is what she spent on the gift basket was exactly what I wrote the check for my chamber dues for. No way. Yeah. So that's like... The universe smacking me in the head. Yeah. Smacking me in the head saying, you did the right thing, kid. Keep going. Awesome. I was just going to say, since we're on the chamber, do you have any feedback or comments about your participation in the chamber for people who are in your situation that you were in back then, but they are there today? Like, do you think a chamber is a good first place of contact to get your name out? You know, I would say, you know, because your audience is so vast, I don't want to make a blanket statement and say, yeah, absolutely. I think that some chambers are more active about promoting their members than others. So I would say go check them out before you join them. Most chambers have something that you can attend before you make that commitment, before you write that check, whether it be a breakfast or whatever. And then if you do decide, you know, if you're a brand new business and nobody knows about you, go to absolutely everything you can, which is what I did. I went to the chamber breakfast which is once a month, I joined a networking group, which was twice a month, I joined the ambassadors, which again, the meeting was once a month, and then you participated in ribbon cuttings and that kind of thing. So it's not just you write that check and you're a member of the chamber and your name is listed somewhere, you have to get out and be active, you have to meet people. Absolutely. And that's the way you're different from anybody else who's in a similar industry as you are. Because people buy because they like you. They know you as a person. They have some type of connection and they're going to then buy from you. And the only way that can happen is if you're getting out. So great information, you know, in terms of the chamber or anything else, but something that is face-to-face in the community, no matter how scary it is. Absolutely know anybody when you go in, but it's not going to take long. They generally open their arms and embrace you and welcome you. And they want you to succeed too, because think about it. If your business fails, they don't have your membership fees. Good point. And you also have to remember that everybody was in that place in the beginning where they walked in and they didn't know anybody. And hopefully any event that you go to, people are sensitive to the newcomers and actually want to know them because that's a whole nother set of contacts for them as well. So it works both ways. Absolutely. Since Andy's been talking about chambers and networking here, I want to pop in and ask you a question. 
Do you know that you should be out networking, but you just can't get yourself to do it because it's scary? Are you afraid that you might walk into the room and not know anybody? Or that you're going to freeze when you get up to do that infamous elevator speech where you talk about yourself and your business? Well, I'm here to tell you that it doesn't need to be scary if you know what to do. To help you with this, I would like to offer you a coffee chat. For the price of buying me a cup of coffee, we can sit down through an online video and I'll tell you everything that I know about networking and how I have personally built two multi-six-figure businesses primarily through networking. You'll walk away with a solid understanding about how networking can truly grow your business. And you're going to have newfound confidence because I'm going to give you 10 fill-in-the-blank templates that you can use for your introduction message. To learn more about this opportunity, just go over to bit.ly forward slash network ninja. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash network ninja. And now let's get back to the show. Let's get to where are you today, Andy? Let's talk about your business as of today. Well, I have a brick and mortar store now. Yay. And you moved in how long ago? It'll be two years in June. So exciting. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, a big learning curve, too. Even though I had worked retail before, it's completely different when you own your own place. How so? You are responsible for everything. You're not the employee that gets to come in and do your shift and leave and you're the guy that's got to make sure the bills are paid. You've got to make sure that you're aware of whatever the next upcoming holiday is, what's going on in your town, when and where you can promote. It's just a whole different ball of wax. Are there any surprises that you had when you transferred? Because you had a production studio before, you know, after having the empty bedroom in your parents' house, then you had more of a production studio. What surprises or words of advice or anything that you'd want to share with someone who's considering making that jump to a true traditional brick and mortar store? Were there any surprise costs that you weren't anticipating? Yeah, I had to redo the floor. The floor was from the 1950s, it wasn't asbestos-based, thank goodness, but it was old and crummy and crumbled when they were removing it. I hadn't anticipated. I had thought I could go over it, which would have been much cheaper, much easier, and much faster. That wasn't the situation. The situation is they had to take it down to the concrete. In the process, there was, I think, two different layers, but they also had to get up all the old glue. They actually had to sand my concrete down so that I could paint it. It was just a mess. So that was a huge surprise. Other than that, I, again, until you jump into it, you don't know, I was a little delusional. I thought that I would have time where somebody could be running a store in the front and I could spend time in the back and just design and take care of, you know, the other aspects, the bookkeeping and all that. And that's not the case. I have control issues. You personally? Oh, yes. Why does this not come as a surprise to me, Andy? <laughs> Because you know me. Because you don't want to give up the control of interacting with your customers? Everything. I, even for a long time, didn't hire anybody. I think that's a challenge we all face, especially if you're a creator because your product is so much ingrained in you. Yeah. Well, my assistant now picks up the stuff that, and I was so lucky to find her, and she's been with me over a year, and she gets me, which is really important. She knows I have control issues. So it's funny because she'll come in and like twice a month, I still do the networking meetings through the chamber. And so she'll come in and clean and then she'll play around. 
And it's funny because I'll come back and she'll always say, now, if you don't like it, you can change it. And I just laugh because it's like, of course, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> but do you or do you let it be? Sometimes. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes I let it be and sometimes I'm like, no, can't do that. No, that will keep me up at night. You know, this gets to the whole issue of the control thing. If you don't let go of control, you can't get back to other things in the business that only you can do. Absolutely. How have you been now that you've released a little bit of control? What's your recommendation to people? Do it. Mm. Absolutely do it. You will not survive if you don't. You just won't. Initially, I was open six days a week. And I thought, you know what? Sundays are slow enough where I could close Sunday too. And the world is not going to come to an end. And so I have been taking Sundays off for about a year now. And it's nice because I've got Sunday, Monday off. But I wouldn't be able to survive. I would have gone nuts probably a year and a half ago. So you have Sunday, Monday off. Is the store closed or is there someone else there? Store is closed. Okay. Because I've got a control issue about not being there when somebody else is there. (laughs) Well, here you go, Andy. At least you identify your weaknesses, right? Total control issue. (laughs) Oh, wait, is that a weakness? I thought that was a strength. I guess however you want to look at it, because in the end, your business is what you want to create it to be. You know, and you want to do things that are going to bring enjoyment, make you feel satisfied. And a rule book and a direction guide is just that. You have to take those things and make them work for you. So if this is working for you, then Andy, then it's all good. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, your business is a reflection of you. And that was probably the biggest challenge with hiring somebody. Yeah, but I would also say with a retail shop, and I have seen so many stores shutter for this reason alone. If you have a retail store, you kind of forget that you have to be there when the store opens and closes or have someone covering there. Absolutely. You cannot. I mean, we've had just even in my hometown had several stores where a small business owner decides they're going to open up, but then they want to go to a networking meeting in the middle of the day. Well, you need some coverage then. You just can't close and say, I'll be back in two hours. Now that does not work. It's not going to work because people who might want to buy from you to support you, because remember, you've been out in those networking meetings, right? Then come to your shop and you're closed. So if they needed something, they are disappointed and you lost that sale. And that happens one or two times and word gets out and you will not have any customers. So give biz listeners just a word of caution. Retail shops, think this through, like act as if this is your life. Do you want to be tied down to a location from the time nine to six, you know, whatever the retail hours are? And if not, are you going to get somebody to cover the shop? Because if the answer is no, then don't go retail, period. Absolutely. Now, there's a boutique next to me and the owner is never there because she's hired. But again, she's open every day, 11 to six. Yeah, so the store is still open. Access to the product and to buying is still there. Absolutely. Otherwise, why have a store? Exactly. All right, super. Andy, we're going to move on a little bit. Are there any other challenges that you've had as you've been putting together your business that you think would be good information for our listeners to hear? Unfortunately, we had a pretty serious family crisis, and I ended up five, six days a week having to go to L.A. to deal with what was going on. This was a lifestyle emergency and you had to figure out how to balance the business with this personal emergency. Yeah, this was prior to opening the store. 
So you were in your production studio at the time. I was. That was good. Thank God for that. It was. But the flip side of that is I was barely able to take care of the clients that I had, let alone get any new business. But family comes first. That's just the way my family is wired. Family comes first. Absolutely. So this went on for almost a year and my business did suffer. And so when everything was said and done, my business took a really big hit and I almost had to start from scratch. You know, that point, okay, either you fold up your tents and you leave or you really get down to business and you bust your butt. And I wasn't ready to fold up my tent. So I got back to business. Yeah, let me stop you here for just a second. And I think that's one of the values, I believe, of being a business owner is that you can call the shots. And if life throws you a curveball and your priority needs to be somewhere else, I mean, you clearly recognized that you weren't going to be able to put the time in the business. Your business was going to suffer, but you had that choice. If you had a full-time job, they weren't going to let you off and not work for that whole time. Not for almost a year, no. Yeah. So there was the advantage because you knew what was going on, but you could control and make those decisions for yourself. And I think that's really important to remember that the business always doesn't have to be going up and building and growing. This is something that you can flex based on what's happening in your life. Income is one thing, of course. Relationships and needing to be there for family is another thing. And it's a balancing act. And sometimes it's going to tilt in the way of personal, which is fine. That's your prerogative. And there's nothing wrong with recognizing it and knowing that's happening and let it go that way for a while. And I was very realistic about what the consequences could be. Mm -hmm. I wasn't delusional. I didn't think that I was going to be able to pick up and carry on from where I had been. I mean, like I said, it was almost a year and I did lose business. I took care of what I could when I could. But again, my priority was someplace else. Absolutely. So what happened? How did you start rebuilding then? Did you contact your past clients or what happened from there? I decided to do a major overhaul and reinvent myself, reinvent my business. Ooh, tell me more. Well, so this is when I decided to open up the brick and mortar. It had been something that had been talked about before the family crisis. And for a while, it was the grieving process and you really can't see clearly. And so when some of the smoke cleared and I was able to sit down and really think about it, it's kind of a crazy time to do it because the business had taken such a hit. But if I don't do this, one, I'll never know what could have been. Two, I will regret it. And three, it was something that had been thought of and most likely was going to be done before the brown stuff hit the fan. So you had been kind of muddling the idea over in your mind for a while. And I'm sure speaking with your husband about it and just thinking, you know, it's not like all of a sudden one day you wake up and say, I'm going to go look for property and start a store. Oh, no. At that point, I had really (laughs) thoroughly looked through the city and um, had gotten information on other things. And so it was an educated move. It was. And it was something I felt necessary if I wanted to continue on. I really didn't think I could stay in the space that I was, just given some circumstances and everything. So is your clientele now totally different than what you had before? No, not really. I still have a very heavy realtor client base. I would say that they make up the majority of my client base. It's not vastly different, but it is somewhat. Well, because you're going to get walked by traffic sometimes and... Absolutely. You're going to attract different people just by manner of your location then. Well, yeah. And also, since almost the beginning of the year, I guess, the local party city, which had done 
tons and tons and tons of balloons shut down and remodeled for three or four months. Oh, boy, wasn't that too bad for you? Yeah, darn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish they needed to remodel again next month, but my balloon clientele really picked up. That actually worked out great because then you were able to get people into your store and then they got a chance to see the other things that you offer too over and above balloons. I'm not knocking Party City, but they don't do anything extra. They blow up balloons and that's kind of it. They don't do curls. They don't do stacks. They don't do a lot of different things. So it was nice in that I got to be a little bit more creative too. And this is a great idea and a tip for our listeners, because if in your community there is somebody, a store that's closing that provided a service that you also provide, or somewhere something that used to exist no longer does, that can be a great opportunity, just as Andy's talking about with the balloon example here. Or, you know, if your clientele, something else, we're bringing in some custom t-shirts and custom mugs, and the whole mug thing started because it wasn't that nobody else in town does them. It's just that, you know, I have these clients and we were trying to make as big of an impact as far as their branding on their gifts that they were giving. And I would ask, okay, so what do you have that we could incorporate in this? What kind of collateral do you have we can add? And well, I have pens. Okay. Everybody has pens. That's not going to make a huge statement in a basket. Let's be honest. In a gift basket, unless it's a pretty small gift basket, it's not going to make a huge impact. And, you know, I was like, gosh, you don't have mugs? No. Can you do mugs? No, I don't do mugs. I'm sorry. And I did have a couple of people check it out. And it was like, in order to make the price affordable, you had to order 72 mugs. And so now you're doing custom one by ones or how's that working? No, there is a minimum with me also, but it's not 72. (laughs) Good. Right. Which is important because you don't want a single customer coming in making a single mug. I'm thinking price-wise, that's not going to be worth your time either. So you've somehow figured out what the minimum was that would be good for you and then also fill a client need, especially your corporate clients. Actually, though, I will do ones, one-offs, because the margin is very good. And it's priced differently. Yeah, it is. So if somebody wanted a Mother's Day mug with a picture of them when they were three with their mom, And it to say, happy Mother's Day, Betty Jo, we can do that. And we're not opposed to that. But before you do anything new, you need to figure out what kind of margins you're looking at and what kind of investment you have to make before you do that. Because I needed to buy a sublimation printer. I needed to buy a mug press. So there are costs involved. But the way I rationalized it, I actually took a mug job before I had the mug press. I took the order and knowing that that order was going to pay for all but $39 of my mug press. Got it. Well, now I understand because you're not jobbing this out. You are doing it on site. Yes, absolutely. Got it. And that's how your margins can be as great as they are. Gift Biz listeners, what Andy's talking about is know your numbers. Did you hear what she was just saying is, you know, she figured it all out. She got in the equipment. She got in jobs that she knew she could pay herself back with. And now it's a huge opportunity for her as she moves forward. So great example of how to expand your business, your services, and your product. It's never, ever bad to have another revenue stream. It's never a bad thing. Andy, we've talked a little bit already about how you've gotten business through networking events. Is there another way you're attracting customers to your location? Well, it's nice when you have a brick and mortar store on a very busy street, you put out a sign, you put out balloons, and people are going to notice as they drive by. So do you dress somebody up as Brad Pitt to stand on the corner and direct people into your shop? 
no. But I'm also fortunate in that I have a huge display window in the front. Huge. And so what I'm going to do on one end is a, a table with a chair. It's formally dressed and it's got wedding stuff on it, like favors and napkin rings, custom napkin rings, which I do with my ribbon printer. So it's like a setting. So the window display is like as if it's a setting. Absolutely. Beautiful. Okay. And then on the other side, my assistant actually does mosaics. And so I've got a little garden fence and it's got some of her, she's got, it's got like a frog and flip flops and a palm tree. So that, but in the middle, the next display I'm going to do is I have this giant teddy bear. My mom bought me from Costco years ago. I couldn't believe she walked out of the store with it because it was almost as big as she was. And I have a half wine barrel and I'm going to put him in the wine barrel and do balloon bubbles put a shower cap on him, put a towel down, have a back scrubber, you know, thing for him. So that's the next I'm going to do. Oh, so cute. So I'm fortunate in that I've got these giant windows where I can do just about anything. Yeah. And it attracts people in for sure. It does. And since we put that fence with Jill's mosaics, people are always stopping and looking. Oh, so you really did see a difference from when you affected the display windows. Absolutely. Really good. Awesome. And that was another learning curve, but now you figure it out or you find somebody that can help you. What were your windows looking like before that then? Sometimes they were empty, which is really dumb because you've got, I mean, that's free advertising. I did balloon stuff. I did other things, but doing more of a store display kind of thing that you would see at a, a department store seems to be attracting more attention. All right. So Gift Biz listeners, another great piece of advice. If you have a brick and mortar shop, use any opportunity that you have to display your product. Andy's fortunate because she's got beautiful windows and I've seen pictures of your shop. I haven't been out there yet, Andy, but I've seen the pictures. And so she has a great display area for that. Another option if you don't have windows is to do one of those boards that you can put right outside of your shop, you know, to welcome people to come on in. Check with your city, make sure that that's allowed, but you aren't just stuck. If you don't have windows like Andy does, that doesn't mean you mark it off your list. What other types of things could you possibly do to draw people in right physically on site as they're passing by your entrance. And as Andy's talking about, she has seen increased sales when she made an adjustment doing that. What were you going to say, Andy? I think that if you're going to look for a brick and mortar place, I know that display windows were really important to me. You also have a product that is conducive to that. So it makes sense that you would do that. Yeah. Even if you have a little display window, there are different ways that you can attract attention. One of them is to make sure that you've got something in that window that's got some movement to it. Oh, good point. That will attract. But be aware when you're looking for a retail space that you need something that's going to attract attention and display windows are perfect. Right. I know our bread shop right down street side from my building here pipes out the scent of the bread baking. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are in the baking industry or you have any sense that you could pipe out or you know some people even just put bowls of water for dogs going by yeah they do that a lot downtown yeah anything that makes someone stop so get creative with that it's a huge opportunity and obviously with brick and mortar you're carrying a lot more cost so anything little even that you can do to draw attention to your business is going to help you out in the long run 
Absolutely. All right, Andy, we're going to move now into our reflection section. So this is another look at you more from a business angle. What do you do day to day so that everything gets done? If there's one natural trait that you would say you have besides your love for Brad Pitt (laughs) that you call (laughs) upon every day to keep you motivated and energized and being willing to delegate from time to time, what would that be? I have no idea. You have some type of a trait. If not, I'm going to just pull one out and embarrass you. So you better think of something. (laughs) Green eyes. All right. Unsuccessful. Eh, No. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to give you your trait, okay? Andy has such a way with words. And I know this because in a lot of the, I have to say they're private, so not everyone can go in and listen and hear what she has to say. But she draws so much attention to some of her posts and her comments because she's so theatrical in the way she talks. So that's an ability of her she has. She brings these crazy words in. She brings levity to many different types of situations that she encounters day by day. And the big point there is it brings eyes to her and her business. So I don't know if you're doing this or not, Andy, but like on Facebook or any other social media sites or in person when you're out at meetings, if you have that ability to spur the moment, add levity, tell a story, those types of things, that helps attract people to you. And Andy does this in our social media groups, especially the Facebook groups, what I was talking about earlier beautifully and she has a style unlike anybody else so andy i'm telling you right now that's your trait (laughs) okay good to know (laughs) yep well it's so true and a lot of people listening are gonna say that's absolutely right i know that all right talk about a tool or something that you're using every day as you conduct your business my phone okay talk a little more about that my phone is like an extra limb. Are you an iPhone or an Android person? Oh, I'm an iPhone girl. Okay, me too. So Facebook, Instagram, my vault. I have a vault on my phone that has all of my vendor login passwords and all that kind of stuff. I could not function. I take photos of my baskets or balloons or whatever with my phone so that I can post on social media or whatever. My website isn't up right now. It's under constructions, but the photos that I'm taking are also for the website. I will be dealing with my website, you know, once it's up from my phone. My phone is my most valuable tool. I could not run my business without it. I run credit cards on my phone. I had the iPhone 6 Plus and I only had 16 gigs. When the 7 Plus came out, I told my husband, I said, I have to go for broke. So I got 128 gigs because I was tired of having to dump photos because almost all of them were business photos. I was tired of having to dump photos so I could take another photo. I understand that. So I always say that someone can steal my car before they steal my phone. Are you in the same boat? Yeah. Take the car, clean it, please. Clean it out. Wash it. Vacuum wouldn't hurt. Yeah, just no one be touching my phone. (laughs) No, because that's probably, I won't even wait for the police to come get you. I'll just knock you out, take my phone back. Couldn't function without it. I just could not function without it. Yep, I totally agree with you there. Let's talk about any other places that you go to continue educating yourself. Is there a book or something else that you would recommend for our listeners? Well, I would say obviously look in your industry 
to see what information you can get and then go for the general ones, like how to promote a business or how to promote a business on a shoestring or those types of things, because ultimately you're going to have to promote. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, you're going to have to promote. So absolutely line up what you can do and how you can do, and also maybe how you can do it differently. I try to be out of the box all the time, which is kind of easy for me because I don't really think I don't know. Somewhere along the line, my thought process just seems to be so much different than everybody else's. And that's worked really well. But try to do that. Try to think out of the box. Because what you want to do, the most important thing is to set yourself apart from your competition. And you better know your competition. You better know who you're competing against. Because if you are copying them exactly and you are not setting yourself apart differently in any other way as far as the product, the service, the price chances of survival aren't going to be very good, especially if they're in business first. Absolutely. Know your competition and do whatever you can to set yourself apart. Perfect. Is there any book that you have read in the past that really helped you to get where you are? Gosh, I don't know. I've read so many. I've got a bunch of gift basket books. I've got a bunch of gift basket DVDs. I've got a bunch of balloon books. I've got a bunch of balloon DVDs. In fact, Saturday was kind of quiet, so I watched a balloon DVD And now I have a different way to make palm trees. Oh, interesting. And that's nice because you are a professional, but you're still learning, attracting different ideas and all of that. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter how long you've been in business. If you don't continue to learn, you go stagnant. Totally agree with you there. So Gift Biz listeners, I think Andy is recommending that you go check out other books in your industry. Or podcasts, I might say, too. Yes. (laughs) And just as you're listening to the show today, you can also listen to audiobooks with ease. I've teamed up with Audible for you to be able to get an audiobook in your industry for free on me. All you need to do is go to giftbizbook.com and make your selection. Okay, Andy, dun, dun, dun. It's time for you to dare to dream. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. So this is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your box? Oh, look, Brad Pitt. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you'd be consistent there, Andy. Yeah. My box is filled with pretty much everything that I have. I'm very happy and very content in my personal life and my business life. I love that because you've reached what your dream is. Yeah. But you're still growing, just like you said, a new way to do balloons. Absolutely. So I guess I pretty much have everything that I want. So you want it to continue with the addition of Brad Pitt. Yeah. And a clean car. All right. I'll go with you there. Okay. Gift Biz listeners, Andy's website currently isn't up. I have no idea when it is going up, but I also have no idea when you're listening to this show. So over on the show notes page, we will have the link to her website. And if it's not up when you go there, it'll be up in a further date. We'll also have links to her social media sites. Andy, what sites are you on social media wise? I know Facebook. What else? Instagram. Okay, so Facebook and Instagram, and I'll have the links over there for that as well. Andy, oh my gosh, super information. I really appreciate your sharing all that you have today. The stories are fabulous. 
Your insight is fabulous. It's really helpful also. I think there's a lot of people who start off just like you, you know, turning something that you were kind of doing on the side into a business and then stair-stepping it up because everyone kind of thinks, well, should I do retail? Should I not? So great insights into that. I really, really appreciate your honesty, your expertise, and may your candle always burn bright. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Where are you in your business building journey? Whether you're just starting out or already running a business and you want to know your setup for success, find out by taking the Gift Biz Quiz. Access the quiz from your computer at bit.ly slash giftbizquiz or from your phone by texting Gift Biz Quiz to 44222. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us for the next episode. Today's show is sponsored by the Ribbon Print Company. Looking for a new income source for your gift business? Customization is more popular now than ever. Brand your products with your logo or print a happy birthday Jessica ribbon to add to a gift right at checkout. It's all done right in your shop or craft studio in seconds. Check out the ribbonprintcompany.com for more information. After you listen to the show, if you like what you're hearing, make sure to jump over and subscribe to the show on iTunes. That way you'll automatically get the newest episodes when they go live. And thank you to those who have already left a rating and review. By subscribing, rating, and reviewing, you help to increase the visibility of Gift Biz Unwrapped. It's a great way to pay it forward to help others with their entrepreneurial journey as well.